normally, which is <laughs> his job, just 10% less mad. <laughs> yes. Okay, and we're live. So welcome social yet distance listeners. And tonight we're talking to Padre Donahue, writer, photographer, publisher, Badger About Town. And we're going to be talking about writing, publishing and being a scourge of literary elites everywhere. So welcome, Padre. Thank you very much, Fran. And thanks to Jack as well for allowing me to air my weirdness <laughs> on the internet, which is quite extraordinary we're all we're all sort of friends here i think we're all kind of weird together yeah. you know it's sort of I, kind of... I feel like i'm at my granny's or, or more, ac <laughs> more accurately you're at your granddad's but yeah yeah it's nice so we're going to start by talking about um poetry bus magazine which has been going since 2010 see i was way out i guess 2014 yeah. but it's actually yeah. 2010 wow yeah. it, it feels like about 1910 but um <laughs> it 2010. it does because so much has happened it feels like such a long time ago but yeah. i was reading on the website about how it grew out of um a writing task on your yeah. total fecking egypt blog spot yeah they were the days, the blog days. Do you remember blogs? I do remember blogs. Yeah, I had a it's live. Like remembering VCRs or eight-track <laughs> yeah. cassette decks or something. <laughs> but no, it was brilliant at the time because the internet to me was kind of new then, and it was just amazing that you could, you know, connect with people and say things, and somebody would actually listen to you. You know, I suppose like the early days of CB radio or something, mm. where suddenly you could just communicate. It was fantastic. I mean, blogs are a bit, I don't know what they are now, but at the time they were, they were cutting edge, like, you know. You felt like somebody as well. And it was sort of like the sort of the, the, the idea that just not just that somebody was listening, but that anybody might be listening, you know, that yeah. you could reach people all over the world. And then, yes. but generally, I mean, you, you, you kind of had a really positive experience where people came and it gathered momentum and the yes. kind of magazine sort of grew out of that desire to give these people who weren't getting published or platformed and didn't have a voice that that kind of space yes whereas my experience of blogging was more sort of dirty old men rubbing their knees at me <laughs> yeah I, I had a lot of that too Fran actually yeah. to be fair now you know <laughs> well I was mainly the one doing the knee rubbing <laughs> yeah But yeah, no, but in all seriousness, I think that the idea that kind of kicked the magazine off, that there was going to be this space that was, you know, sort of truly egalitarian and equal yeah. opportunities for everyone was yes. kind of really important. And it sounds like, and thus the magazine was born, that it happened in the kind of like click, but I'm imagining that it was much more involved and arduous than that. It, it kind of wasn't more involved and arduous than that. It was really weird because we just did those the weekly... It was it was because Monday is a shit day. So we just yeah. or I thought we just brightened Monday up a bit by all kind of getting together. And, and the idea was to write a poem across the world mm. at exactly the same time, because I just thought there would be some kind of weird human uh, fucking telepathy or something, something of the zeitgeist that we would all, you know, write roughly the same kind of thing. Of course, we didn't. It was totally diverse. But anyway, it went on for about a year. And after a while, I mean, a lot of it was crap, including my own. But after a while, some of it was pretty good, you know. And I think at the time, I, I wasn't really into poetry, but I was enough into poetry to realise it was really hard to get published. Mm -hmm. and that a lot of people wouldn't be inclined to even try, that it wasn't something that was for them. And... I just thought, well, why don't we just do our own magazine? We're never going to get into a magazine, so why don't we just do our own? And everybody really loved the idea. And because I was naive and stupid, and I'll be honest now, like I'm 137, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still a punk. And, you know, that punk ethos, if, if you don't like something or somebody else is doing something you don't like it, just do it yourself, do it better if you can, but just do it. So it seemed perfectly natural to me because I'd seen friends, I had friends who just started bands and, mm -hmm. you know, just did things. And it was sort of in the psyche just to do things. So we just did it and it was fine because um, I didn't, I didn't realise I was doing anything. I just thought, fuck it, we'll just do a magazine. 
and everybody said that's a great idea do you want some money and <laughs> yes please I'll have some money I mean not arts councils yeah. or anything but just individuals thought oh this is a good idea you know we'll help you with the printing costs and they did and we printed the first one it was only small and it was stapled together and funnily enough because we're just over our 10th anniversary I've been looking back through the issues and I have to say it's fucking good the first one I think we probably nailed it and should have given up <laughs> it's, just, it's it's fun and honestly it's fantastic like and the artwork in it and everything because at the time we we were mad into having the artwork and everything we can't afford artwork now sadly but honestly it's it's a gem it's a beauty I love it they are they're extremely beautiful the poetry bus magazines they have quite a collection of them and they all they always go on my shelves I stick most of my other magazines like the big names included like I just stuff them under the bed and boxes I'm like well I'll look at them when I need them but the poetry bus is on the shelves because they are actually really beautiful and there's this kind of like it's they're just there's the beautiful kind of like tactile kind of pleasure of the book and the artwork but also it's like you never know what you're going to get no. and you're going to be going through and you never know what kind of thing you're going to read what kind of a poem there could be something sort of like really kind of snappy and punky next to something really meditative and kind of haunting yes. and it's just yes. that kind of like mixture it feels really alive in a way that a lot of kind of like that's really, that's really nice to hear and I, and I guess that's again because we don't really know what we're doing we probably don't really know what a proper good poem is we just put in <laughs> what we like you know that's literally it if, if we like it it goes in it doesn't matter who you are or who you aren't or I mean we have rejected some quite big names and they have taken it quite badly actually you know? <laughs> um, and then we put in just everybody and anybody but that's that's the beauty of it I think the main talent we have is not really knowing what we're doing yeah that's, that's the key so we're just doing it you know yeah I think that's you know it's kind of like us with the podcast we'll just we'll just make it up as we go along it's fine how, how yeah. hard can it be how hard can it be yes we'll see, we'll see yes. how hard can it be but yeah, I think it's, and I think it's great that you've done this kind of like, it is a print publication because, you know, I have some people, you know, like young people in my life who were kind of digital natives as they like to call themselves. And they're like, well, you know, why do you not just, you save so much money if you just did it online. And you're like, well, yes. but you know, and yeah. I think, but I think like being online, I don't know if you've, you know, they find the same sort of kind of situation in Ireland, but like then you've got like the big kind of, um, the kind of big elites the big magazines they're like well if it's online it's not really proper they're all yeah. for digital publications but they'll also use it to kind of surreptitiously exclude you so I love the idea that there's this like really well-made thing <laughs> that yes. can be yes. in bookshops and be in all those spaces and just have, like fighting for the right to take up space yes funnily enough we we thought that too that we'd actually try and sort of keep compete with them on their turn not not initially we didn't but eventually we thought we you know we can make this as good as the sting and fly or i don't know they're all crap really any of, those, <laughs> any of those magazines you know and we i think we have and i think they don't like it i know they ignore us totally but i'm sure they're aware of us yeah and we weren't yeah. we really weren't we just weren't allowed in at any level you know and yet we you know i, I think you could put our magazine against any of those names and you know that they they'd look okay and i've lost the thread of what i was saying now but you were saying about um internet kind of presence of yeah. things and then looking down on it yeah they will always do that they will always find a way of elevating themselves against whatever new thing might come along or just anything they have to make sure that they protect their little coven that they have and that not nothing can touch that so the internet really is probably the most egalitarian i mean it's also the most awful thing but really you know so egalitarian because anybody has access to it and anybody can just set things up and i think that's fantastic yes there's rubbish there's a lot of rubbish but i mean there's a lot of print rubbish yeah so <laughs> you just you just have to be selective you know but it, it's just the ultimate kind of leveller, the internet. I love, you know, it's, even politically people are getting a voice that they never had before. We can lobby and we can pressurise and people can mobilise 
and it's global and there's information and it's power. It's fantastic. It's crap and it's fantastic. But I mean, this combustion engine is crap and it's fantastic. Television is crap and it's fantastic. You just have to sort of be, take the eclectic bit or just be eclectic in your taste mm. and take the good bits out of everything. And the internet has so much good, so much opportunity, like this fantastic broadcast. Yeah, thank you. Um, and other sort of like really great kind of initiatives as well. I don't know if like, cause I've been doing quite a few kind of online, not necessarily readings, but I've been going to things and listening to other people. And I think kind of lockdown has sort of forced people slightly to sort of do that a bit more and to become more international and to really kind of like use the technology that's always been there. Like you could have always yeah. done this, dude. You could have always had this free event that anyone can access, the, providing they yeah. have a computer or a phone. You could have always done this, but you chose not to. Why are you only using yes. it now? Yes, <laughs> it's, like, it's been a fantastic opportunity to see people as well, to see people you'd never see. Mm. And, and quite often free now for some reason, which is brilliant. You know, it, it's brought it's brought everyone together because we're all stuck in and... There's nothing happening in real life, you know, live. So everything's gone on the internet and suddenly you can just attend readings. You know, normally you'd never, ever get a chance to see. It's brilliant. I it hope is. in a way we keep lots of that, uh, you know, after lockdown is finished. I'm sure we won't. I'm sure it'll go back to elite venues and big ticket prices. But, you know, for now, it's been brilliant. It has. It's been, it's actually been really good. And it's good for sort of like, not just in terms of like, you know, kind of ge geographically bringing more people in, you know, I can see people mm. and chat to friends and attend readings in the States, which I couldn't do before yeah. and vice versa. Yes. But it's also in terms of people who have, you know, social anxiety disorder or people with disabilities. And you're thinking this should always have been an option. I can't quite believe that we're in an e where you have all this technology and yet you are just excluding this whole yes. swathe of people by having a yes. venue that's, you know, in central London, especially over here, yes. everything is central London, you know? Yes. And if, it, if you can't access central London because you can't get on a freaking tube, then you're, you're, you're cut out by default. It's, and that's so wrong. Excluded. So maybe even if they do go back to the, the nice venues and having a live audience, because to be fair, you know, there is nothing quite like being at something live. Mm. Maybe they could like broadcast it as well. So they could get their ticket sales and have the auditorium full, but also then maybe a hugely reduced, almost nominal fee, let people watch it on the internet as well. Yeah, I think that I think people should do that. I think definitely. But there's, you know, yeah. there's gotta be I wanna I want the Zoom poetry party to be a thing where people yes. are watching poets read around their mates' houses with like bowls of popcorn and like beer, popcorn. like you would like you would watch, yeah, like you would watch the football or you know. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that could happen because, as you say, at the moment, we're all doing everything very solitary. Mm. Yeah, why not all get together in a room and watch something? Wouldn't that be cool? I think that and would be amazing. It. Yeah, exactly. And slug. Yeah, <laughs> imagine because you could go to the you could go to the TSE Awards, for example, and you yes. could you could throw shade at everybody on there. Nobody could hear you. There would be no comeback. Oh, you, you could you could you could throw whatever you have in your hand, popcorn, beer. You could actually throw it. Exactly. <laughs> and it'd be fine. I mean, no comeback. It would be amazing. And this is yeah. quite good for me because I just say things. If I'm in a stress situation and you know I'm talking to somebody yeah. I don't particularly like, I don't yes. mean to, but it just it exits my mouth at yeah. high velocity. I can't yeah. help it. So that would it's be a boon for me. Yeah, that's kind of an intellectual Tourette's, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. It's not that always that intellectual. I just I I find it sometimes yeah. just. Just, yeah. just out and out insulting. So, yeah. oh God, yeah. I'm I'm actually not too bad at that. I I'm very good at promoting people, mm. and then I just slag them when they're gone <laughs> <laughs> I need to the newest to, person. I need to learn that subtle art. So, I mean, we've seen yes. here kind of like throwing shade at poetry in general. And so, my next question, you know, that I've got on my show notes is is probably I feel like I already know the answer yeah. Like, do we think like that we still need these egalitarian spaces, these new ideas, and do we do we need more poetry buses? Do we need more of these magazines? Because I tend to find that what happens is, you know, something new will come out and it'll be new and exciting, it'll be great. And then gradually you'll see it 
being absorbed. It gets arts council funding and it's sucked in. And the great thing about Poetry Bus, of course, is that it, it never has been. Yes. Yeah. You know, honest to God, the number of times I've cursed the Irish Arts Council, as mm. I call them, but really it's fantastic that we've never got funded. We, we do fund it, which is like a public kind of platform for raising money for projects. And it's kind of like the people want you. And until the people don't want us, um, we'll keep going. And some of the magazines that get handed huge checks every year. And you think, well, what the fuck are they doing with that money? And there's no kind of, um, they, don't, they almost don't earn it. It becomes like a, a, a rolling kind of taken for granted kind of just keeping things establishment and they're not going to rock the boat. We'll just keep giving them 67,000 euros a year. And it's so boring and stayed and stagnant. And the danger is when you do do something different and it slowly gets absorbed into the mainstream and it, it suddenly isn't edgy anymore. And we've been lucky that they fucking hate us. <laughs> so, um, they, they really, at any cost, don't want us involved at any level. And that really has, has kept us going. Because we're, we're no further on than the day we started, really, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, cracking it and being one of the gang. So I think that's a huge compliment to us. It's probably the biggest compliment yeah. that we've never got, never even got close to getting funded. Never even... Even sometimes I even, in my wildest dreams, contacted them and asked, you know, about funding. And they even directed me to the, to the wrong kind of funding so that when I did apply, it was immediately rejected. <laughs> and I thought, well, if that isn't a message, then, you know, and now I'm glad and I'm glad we haven't dirtied our pockets. We haven't got a single filthy lucre coin in our pocket. It's all pure. <laughs> That's a great way but of looking at it. Having said that, if anybody wants to give us anything <laughs> or stolen money mm. or forged checks, yes, I'll take them. Yeah. Thank you. I have some chocolate money. I think that's about that left over for Christmas. I think that's probably yeah. about my limit. I kind it's of got to, be worth, <laughs> got to be worth more than the euro. <laughs> yeah. Or the pound, even. Yay. As yeah. we slowly, I mean, because we're, we're just living on Plague Island now, I think, you know, kind of berries are going to be the new currency, yes. maybe human teeth or fingernails yes. are going to be the new. Like the old days. Like the old. You like could the sell your days. hair because you keep cutting it. Exactly. We're just sort of, yeah, we, you it'll, know, be, it'll be fine, you know. Yeah. <laughs> What's a kidney. Off? What's a kidney, you know? You don't need, you don't need two. You don't need two of oh. anything, do you really? No. Eyes. Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> because the eye patch is a good look it is madonna really you know she just made that didn't or actually she made it awful didn't she she, did. she put you off an eye patch she put you off let's well, shame mcgowan and james joyce both with eye that's patches. That's now yeah. you're talking yes yeah i can kind yeah. of picture them together in the same party and like you know one of them is like well one of us is now going to have to go and change it's not going to be yeah. me. can you imagine <laughs> flouncing out yeah or in, in shane's case kind of wobbling out yeah, rolling <laughs> like a kind of cheese <laughs> but yeah that's this, this, this these are the things that run through my mind when i'm you know this is this is what you know higher education does to a person. Yeah, i can only imagine yeah. so i mean i wanted to talk a bit about it as well so it's like this that wasn't a very this isn't going to be an elegant segue this is just going to be some questions because i've had too yes. much coffee um You've um, obviously because you you write as well. You write your own work. You write your own poetry, which is yes. which, we're going, which we will come to anon. But how do you find? Because I've sort of I've been editing, and what I find about editing is that it eats all of your time, and it's extremely stressful. And then you want to throw things out the window, and then yes. you coming to the page to write your own work, you don't have that much left. Yes. How, how have you found that process or has it been I, has it been much much better for you much kind of more joyful <laughs> it's, it's been grand I kind I kind of think in a way because because we don't get funding <laughs> ironically enough the magazine doesn't come out that often our ambition was to be three times a year mm. and it kind of turns out to be more or less an annual event you know and also I have the luxury of having Colette who is brilliant 
yeah. brilliant at helping me choose the poems because to be honest can I be honest I don't even really like poetry <laughs> so <laughs> and Colette kind of does it's a, a shocker she, she doesn't write it but she likes she can read you know she's a good reader mm. of poetry and I'm really not you know like I'll read the first line I oh shite you know or I don't I don't know but anyway she's a huge help so and we do it really intensely we just because like we we won't let anybody wait more than a week we just steamroll through it so it's like you know you see these films where people have their tie loosened and yeah. cigarettes piling up in the thing and they're sweating and opening windows and calling for more coffee and we yeah. just steamroll steam right through it um, and it works you know because I think sometimes you can over examine a poem mm. you know we kind of go for the gut reaction and if it hits you between the eyes and you know and it works she's 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 brilliant at that and I've forgotten the question now so yeah it doesn't affect my writing at all because my writing is nothing to do with me it's just there it's like this third leg that just has its own existence. And every now and now and again, it just come and kick me in the ass, and <laughs> and you know, write write this here. Listen to this. What do you think of this? And I just write it. And I'm always drunk. I've never written a poem sober, so I write them usually late at night. And quite often now, I put them on. I write them directly onto Facebook because it feels like I'm communicating with the world, which I'm not, because everybody's normal and in bed. But um, I can't write, I can't physically write now with a pen. And I used to be, only be able to do it on the keyboard. And now I can only do it on Facebook. I can only write a poem on Facebook. So I post them and then I have no clue about them. And I get up the next day and I look at them and it's like reading somebody else's work. And I usually think, well, that's shit. <laughs> but it's done. That's quite <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah, no problem. That's quite amazing. The idea that you just you then rediscover them the next day and they're like yeah. messages to yourself I mean yeah, we, not I think a clue. not a clue genuinely not a clue why no. I, I kind of wish that I could do that more with my own work I feel like oh, you're, yours is too, too <laughs> oh it's just too meticulous and too oh beautifully wrought and every line and every syllable and every no that's a that's a different ball game I'm Barnet FC and you're <laughs> in Barcelona well not Barcelona now but who's good now I don't know uh Jesus fucking the French team PSG <laughs> I'm more kind of like I don't know I always say like I'm the Millwall FC of like the London poetry circuit in that no one likes me no one likes me no one likes me I don't care yeah. we don't care yeah. we don't care yeah <laughs> but it's uh... But it's kind of like the idea, I'm just, I'm really into that idea now that you can sort of just forget and step away from your work. But I carry mine around now like barnacles. And I remember, and I will find, I will be on the train going somewhere weeks hence into the future. And I will remember something I did wrong. And there'll be like a really clunking line or I think, I'm sure I misspelt that. And it, oh and it, will, it will just stay with me and it eats at me. It's like, oh, it's, it's, torture. It's, it's like water torture. That's torture. Who was the fella that put out, like, put in a full stop and then took it out in the afternoon or something? Was that Beckett or Joyce? Yeah, or I think it's Beckett, Spent yeah. all day, <laughs> all day doing, I don't know, a comma and then in the afternoon took it out again, you know. Just, I know. I, you know, just first thought, best thought for me. And it's like a vomit. Yeah. You know, it literally is like a vomit. And you don't want to, you don't want to delve around in the vomit. You just want to get it up, get it out and then leave it alone. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a, I kind of, I don't know, I, I sort of, do you never sort of, you never get tempted to think, oh, that's really great, I'm going to go back and just kind of like finesse that and fart around with that and kind of play oh. with that, no. No, it, it would, it would ruin it. It would ruin it. Well, I mean, you couldn't ruin it, but you wouldn't make it any better. You wouldn't make it, I wouldn't make it any better, let's put it that way. I, obviously, if there's a huge grammatical error in it, which there mm. often is, you know, I'll, I'll correct that, but no, there's no rewriting or rethinking. It's just, I think, well, that's it. That's that's what it is. Mm. 
that's a good that's a good way to think about things this will be helpful yeah. to you as, as an editor as well just you know kind of not not over editing fiddling. things yeah not fiddling around with it not tinkering with someone no. else's art which is you're really a bit of a fiddler oh I am I'm a compulsive I can't help it <laughs> <laughs> that'll be on my gravestone that will be yeah I'm terrible but because I've been I mean the the manuscript for hyena is just like I've been kind of yeah, you were saying. These, yeah, these poems are going in. These poems are going out. And Sid and I, he's like, I will chop your hands off if you touch yeah. that again. Yeah. I will. I'm like, but I've got these other poems. I don't <laughs> want to take these ones out. Like, <laughs> I think in my back of my mind, though, there's always like, it's like, well, there'll always be another book. And I'm like, yeah, but will there? Society might collapse. Oh, I might yeah. be living out of a cave. You know, this might be my last okay. time to do something well. I might die. I might get hit by a number 95 bus. You know, we don't know yeah. there's going to be another book. Yeah. You know, I suppose you never know, you know, you don't know, do you? Mm. It could just end overnight. I don't think so. You're very prolific, aren't you? Yeah. You like know, it just keeps coming, so. Insulting I me. Mean, <laughs> who knows? You might never write again. Now, <laughs> for now, you might be finished, Fran. This could You've be it. You've reached your <laughs> apotheosis or whatever. The the interview is, we've, we've, we've peaked now. <laughs> yes, this, this is, is it. The moment. We, this is we, the pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to my grave. I'm going straight to my grave from this interview. Yeah, <laughs> Manny's ready to kind of like wrap me in in winding sheets and roll me <laughs> out the door. He's looking. Yes. He's looking like, yeah, I can inherit your uh, sandwich. That's. <laughs> I tell you, that's a big inheritance for a dog. And it's a big inheritance. So yeah, but you you have written. You've somehow managed, just despite yes. this like very um kind of chaotic ephemeral approach you have managed to write yes. two collections of poetry yeah. and, and the death of poetry and yeah. they're, they're very they are very different books they're very tonally they they're very different they feel very different so I wonder if you yes. could just like talk a little bit about the kind of the impetus for both of those and the, the kind of the difference and the process and what happened between <laughs> Jewel and the death of poetry because yeah. the death of poetry is we, we will address this in its own terms yes yeah. Well, I, I, I guess the thing that happened between Jewel and the death of poetry was poetry itself, <laughs> funnily enough. Because the, the first book, like, I wrote poems before I read any. Mm. I still have written more poems than I've read, uh, barring submissions to the magazine. I'm not really hugely interested in poetry. I don't like it. I don't like the manners of it. I don't like the ethos of it. I don't like the social niceties of it. Mm. I know that that's like saying you don't like colour because there's so many colours and variations and shades. But the way I saw poetry or poetry was foisted on me, mm. I generated towards music because music to me spoke, there was poetry in music. And also I recognised everything that was in songs because I'll be honest, most songs, great songwriters are working class. Mm-hmm. Whereas most poets are a middle class, and I just I Bougainvillea, I I didn't even know what Bougainvillea was. Persephone, who the fuck's Persephone, and all this, you know, it, it just yeah. meant nothing to me. So I had no interest in it, and yet I I wrote things. I wouldn't I wouldn't even argue that my stuff is poetry, but it was just trying to express myself, and I loved I love words. I really adore words. And I think that's one of the main reasons I love your poetry is because of your language, your words, you know, and I mean, half of them have me reaching for the dictionary because they're quite, I don't know what they are. I don't know where you get them from. Like, do you make them up or is there a, is there a friend lock dictionary, you know, in the <laughs> library or something? But, you know, I love all that. And um, I just love expressing myself and I love writing, but I, I don't really love poetry and I've forgotten the question again yeah. <laughs> what happened between Jewel oh, yeah. and the death of poetry because Jewel is Jewel is in some ways it's it's you know it's nice. a very it's lovely it's very tender and, and empathetic and very giving yeah. and but also kind of like very grounded and then I feel like something there was a defining incident and then it, and yeah. what happened you say it was poetry itself and that kind it, of that milieu and yeah. that's like, yeah, that kind of like, just, just the way people are. Yeah, I had nothing to do with poetry. I didn't have a clue how it worked. I might as well be looking at the insides of a computer or the Hadron Collider or something. It was just 
I don't know. But because I wrote that book and really that was, was kind of my autobiography. And like, I was, was I, Jesus, what age was I? I was well into my forties anyway. So I'd lived all my life and huge material, but kind of eclectic and varied and a mishmash, a scattergun thing of this, that and the other. And it was grand, but it did get published. It got taken up by Salmon and they published it. And then that kind of brought me into the, the you know, poetry mm. world. And by Christ, I didn't like it. It was mm. fucking awful. Just, oh, just horrendous. And the next book was all about how much I hate the poetry world, really, pretty much. I mean, I'm fairly misanthropic at the best of times and general kind of miserable bastard that hates everybody but I, I I reserve a special hatred for poets not all poets present company accepted and yeah this, that, the other. but it was it was kind of um and I was I felt I was very treated very badly by the poetry world mm -hmm. and in the poetry world because I wasn't educated I hadn't gone to trinity I I, I wasn't middle class. I didn't have, I wasn't an accountant or a teacher or I don't know. And there was other people like me and they fitted the working class or the middle class idea of what a working class yeah. person should be much better. And they were kind of let in because they, I'm not going to degrade the way they are or who they are, but they, the, to me, they were kind of a stereotypical uh, working class person and usually Dublin you know and yeah. you know that was so boring and yet they they lapped it up and because I I thought like me they wanted to change the poetry scene mm. but really they just wanted to get into it and that was the difference I didn't want to get into the poetry scene like the magazine and everything I wanted to change things and they just wanted in and they got in because they just ticked a very very stereotypical box and I didn't and you know it's been awful for me and I did care now I don't give a shit but at the, at the time I cared and it hurt you know yeah. I used to worry about it and now I don't give a damn like I've lost my publisher um I don't care I've, I'm free I can say and do what I want and I don't have to tick any boxes I don't have to conform and if I don't like something I can just say I don't like that I don't like the Irish Arts Council I mean, what are they going to do? Not give me the grant that they haven't given me for the last <laughs> fucking 50 years? You know, I don't care. They're rubbish. They're middle class. They're, they're ruled by people who have ruled, always rule. The great division in life, there is race, there is gender. But for me, the fundamental overarching distinction is class. Yeah. It, it, it's there from the beginning. It'll be there to the end. Like in, in Irish poetry, it was hugely male-dominated, mm. terribly, awfully. But now it's hugely female-dominated, terribly, awfully. But they're all middle-class. They were middle-class men, and now they're middle-class women. Mm. So in some ways, the plus the challenge. I'm still fucking out of it either which way. You know, gender is what it is. But, in you know, I think generally the real divide, the real because things will change with gender, and they are changing, and that's great that's really good but the thing that will never change is class yeah. and class distinction absolutely and I think it's also very easy for people to ignore and to pretend that it's not happening and I yeah. think that's the thing with class is that it's not visible in the way that race is visible it's not visible in the way that gender is visible so it becomes very easy for people to say oh well now with social mobility and relative deprivation like we don't have a class system anymore we don't have a class system. We're like you, you, as, as a person who is working class and has kind of like tried to exist in these kind of like elite cultural space yeah you do you absolutely do you're just on top so you don't see it yes. it's only yes. invisible to you because shit rolls downhill yes it's very very frustrating and I think and I think that they do it's so true what you say that they like the working classes if those mm. working classes are comfortably conforming to the image yes. they have in their head of something yeah. they saw in a kind of Ken Loach box set once yes. and I think if you're doing that not that there is anything wrong with being or doing that but it's that oh. to the exclusion of anything else and so yeah. if you come at them and you know more big words than they do and you know more latin than they do and you've read the bible and you've read they don't like it they no. really don't 
like it. This has also oh. been my experience. Yeah. It's like, does not compute, does not compute. Yeah. Exterminate, it's... exterminate. <laughs> Revolving like the kind of like the Daleks when you put a yes. magnet on them, you know, like, oh. <laughs> and they're exploding. Yeah. So this is I think I think we've got sort of like a similar rage about like the establishment. And there are good individual people yeah. toiling away within these enclaves. But yes. I think, you know, yeah. even even the good ones, they're so it's become so naturalized that this is just the way it works. That's just poetry. Yeah. I had someone at yeah, a reading. Yeah, I had someone at a reading say once like he was reading his poems and he was talking about, you know, some terribly middle class thing that he'd done. He's like, oh, well, you know, we're all middle class here. I'm like. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're no. not. We don't all have nectar cards and kitchen islands and quilted gilets. You know, we're not all yeah. you, mate. Yeah. The implied audience for all art is not a middle class person. No. But it's take, taken for granted that it is. I was even, when I'm fortunate enough to, I wasn't listened to, I came across on Radio 4, like Keats was 200 years dead or something. Mm. And they were trying to argue this case that he was like a rebel and he was different and he was anti-authoritarian mm. and blah 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 and they've gone on i mean what did he die at 25 or something yeah yeah very and, saying, you know, and then on his first voyage to italy he i thought hang on a minute. <laughs> first voyage to italy i haven't been to italy i'm 59 mm. you know it, immediately i thought yeah you, you you might be a bit of a this that yeah but you're middle class you're mm. You're privileged. I, I don't know how privileged you watch. But if you're going to Italy, and when, when was it, like 200 years ago? Yeah. I don't know. You know, there's that little attitude. Mm. And and things like Poetry Ireland and whatever the canon is, they will only pick that kind of thing that references foreign villages and middle-class little uh, tick notes, you know. Mm. And I don't recognise them. I don't know them. But I never see any working class tick notes and little references, you know, that mean things to me. By doing music all the time, yeah, yeah. constantly. So mm. why is poetry like the way it is? Because you do get middle class music. Why can't we have working class poetry? And I know there is a little bit, but the canon, the the meat, the you know, the the essence of it is always middle class. Yeah. And it kind of, it sucks, I think, because, you know, poetry, I always think the poetry is, is made for the working classes because all you need yeah. to do it, you just need a pen in five minutes. Yeah. yeah, and anyone can do it. So it's just, it kind of, it irritates me. It drives me nuts that it's been colonized in this way. And it's been, I feel like it's been stolen. And I feel like oh, I love poetry, but I feel like poetry has been stolen and then it's been warped and distorted out of all shape and proportion. And now I no longer recognize a thing yeah. I love. Yeah, it's like this font of beautiful, clear water and somebody comes along and puts it into Evian bottles or something yeah. and distributes it that way. Well, you know, let's all have a drink. Mm, exactly. Just cup your hands and dip in. Exactly. And I kind of, yeah, definitely. And it, it, is, it is frustrating because then it's sold back to you as well. And I think the sort of oh. irritating thing is, and I get kind of like begging letters from like massive magazines, you know, like they've published me in the past and they're like, you want to give us some money? I'm like, no, because oh. I don't have any money. <laughs> don't, you know, this is an inclusive space. And we've had such artists as, I genuinely had like a begging letter once that listed me on the thing. Oh, and we've offered a platform to working class artists such as, and there's my name. And I'm like, okay. no, you're asking me for money. I'm yeah. like, Pay, payback time yeah like thanks mate no i'll give money so you can keep publishing all these disadvantaged people such as me yeah cheers yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. that's it's, amazing it's it's kind of it is mind-boggling it's mind-boggling right and speaking of mind-boggling so i think you're going to read you're going to read to us from okay i'll try poetry. i'm very bad at reading i've got terrible diction i'm just awful at reading like literally I, I can barely read but <laughs> <laughs> grade seven or something. <laughs> Janet and John book six <laughs> is that the title of the next collection yeah. Janet and John talk to the Irish Arts Council <laughs> oh god <laughs> Jesus so will I just read them then 
Yeah, just read them. I mean, as, as many as you as you feel you want or need to, you can introduce them if you want to. And then when you've had enough, you can you can yeah. call time. Well, the good the good thing about them is they're very short. So yeah. I won't take them. <laughs> I've I've five down, but she can cut cut them out. Anyway, the first one is called poetry, and it goes: um, You were a good mother. You slapped our face hard, hammered nails through hands and feet, pierced our side with a double-edged sword, then dutifully packed the red raw wounds with the feathers of dead songbirds. Knowing when we grew but stunted, strong, twisted, untamed, we could never just stand idly by and sweetly, gently sing. Uh, the second one is called Burning Desire. We burned the witches, the peasant cottages, our bridges, the turf, the breakfast, our winter skin under the summer skies. We burned diesel, petrol, money. We burned down the road. We burned bright under the dark clouds. We burned chances like confetti. Everything we ever had, wanted, needed, went up in smoke. Our lives, the next generation, their futures, everything in lusting lick of flame, except the bondholders. The third one is um, called, it's called, Where Am I? <laughs> I Can't Find You. Oh, The Death of Poetry, Part 7. The Death of Poetry. Um, and the revolutionary Christs are now fucking the nuns, hands across the divide they made, filling up their pockets for another plane ride. It's for everyone when they're selling, just for themselves when someone's buying. We lepers on the raft of the Medusa are well aware of this mal de mer. Before you drown, come on down. Look what you could have won. The vegetarians eating meat, the virgins giving it so sweet for the second, fifth, seventh time, the egoist philanthropists coining it in, the ship's captain keeping away from the gin, the second in command holding up his innocent hands as another player hits the ground hard. Shake it up, me lords and ladies, with your trains of gravies, with your snakes and ladders, clean livers, Empty bladders will have another round before the delicious vapor girls fake another poem for the glory boys who won't go home to their wives till the next time. The next one is called Bland Ambition. They don't drink, they do. They don't look back in anger. Fuck, I've done that wrong. Can I do it again? Can, you can definitely do it again. Yeah, that's all right. No worries. The next one. It's called bland ambition. They don't drink, they do. They look back in anger, they don't. They never look down except their noses. They are the educated young things, prefer their socialism sanitized, right of center. Behold them blowing on blooming champagne style flutes of their preciously acceptable thoughts, neatly contrived for balm, not shock like tiny flowers placed carefully beside rough sleepers or forgotten headstones. See their sharp little teeth, so white, so clean, so good, would never bite the hand that feeds. Ambition looks to the skies, craves only the glittering prize. The only way is up, up, up their own asses. <laughs> and the final one <laughs> is the bourgeoisie, every, everything here for the last six, seven years has been gorgeous. Mm. Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, that's gorgeous. a gorgeous poem. That's a gorgeous <laughs> book. Oh, you look gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. You think there was no other descriptive word in the dictionary. So this is called, but it's only a certain type that was coining. Anyway, it's called a bourgeoisie, which is kind of like gorgeous and bourgeois. Anyway. The bourgeoisie, oh yes, and then lovely, gorgeous in fact, delighted, absolutely, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Did you see me? Oh, and then the other thing, so wonderful, wunderbar, sehr glücklich. It was we, of course, us, the few. We are so good to each other. It's the arts, you know, so egalitarian. You wouldn't believe. Everyone, several of us, 
are so supportive, welcoming, open, open to all of us. Isn't that the way it should be? Inclusive? Yes. We include each other too little. And the working classes, the lovely ethnic minorities, we love those. Never met any yet. But yes, do come on in. Over there somewhere. A bit further back. A bit further. No, a bit further. A bit more. Perfect. Can you still see us? Don't we look just gorgeous? <laughs> Yes, that is actually like readings I have been to. <laughs> Sit at the back there. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I feel like I feel invigorated. It's like oh, it's eight, cool. eight o'clock in the evening. And I'm ready to go outside and punch someone. In the face. Yes, the, the nearest Tory. Yeah, punch the nearest Tory. You don't have to look very far around here, sadly. They're quite or landlord. Few. Yeah, or landlord waddling about their pocket stuff with other people's money yes yeah oh but thank you so um, much for sharing those put with us and where can people fantastic. buy those there's a there's a website where people are still available to buy the death of poetry and they, they are all sold out they are all apart from jewel which is at salmon's don't bother buying that because i won't get any money okay <laughs> <laughs> to print some more we need some more death of poetry i should just photocopy all the pages and scan them and yes. distribute them amongst the urban poor because i feel yeah. it's i feel it's the book that poetry really needs and i feel that it will just it will it will try to ignore it to death because it's not very good at hearing criticism of itself it says yeah, it well, is thanks. it says it likes it but it doesn't <laughs> yeah thanks very much that's really nice to hear that's what i was hoping you know yeah Something you know, it should people should read it in the spirit in which it was intended, like a Millwall brick to the face. Yes, but it should be it's the prompt. Way. It should be the prompt to change. You can't shoot the messenger. You know, you you need to realise yeah. that you do these things, and that most of us, to a certain level, are you know kind of culpable, and we're we're complicit in some of these behaviours. You know, we've all you know. I think. Like, I'm not very good at it, but I think even in my own slightly shambolic way, I've probably been nice to somebody that I really wanted to push down the stairs for no yeah. other reason than I thought, well, they edit such and such a magazine yeah. and you, you need to be true to yourself. Otherwise, you know, it's only yourself you've got at the end of the day and they're not going to let you in anyway. No, so. but I mean, it's easy, it's easy for me because like, you know, there's nothing there anyway. I'm not, I'm not some kind of hero who's given up a glittering career. <laughs> You know, I've, it's nothing. So it's, it is easy. I'd love to be tempted. If somebody really wants to sorely tempt me with something, then, then we'll see how noble I am, you know? Yeah. But I still think, you know, I don't know. I, I, like, to, I like to think that you would nobly refuse the plate of profit. I don't know what you'd, what you'd offer in poetry. Pineapples on sticks, little volivants. Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. I'd love, I'd love something on a stick. Somebody's head, preferably. Yeah. <laughs> Head on a platter, yeah. I, yes. I'd like. To, I can see you sort of doing a kind of like you know Christ-like renunciation of poetry riches. I mean that there aren't really. I mean you sort of talk about like a glittering career in poetry. I think for maybe five people that actually exists. Yeah. Everybody else is just yeah. kidding themselves. It's like all the working class people voting Tory in the hope that one day they're going to be the, the people oppressing us, and then we'd better look out. You know, like oh really. Yeah. Oh, really? That's, that's, that's never going to that happen. the ultimate tragedy? What are they keeping us out of? What are they keeping yeah. to themselves? It's Hilla Beans. Yeah. So that's the really mystical thing. Yeah. But I think, although, I don't know, they, they must have some kind of need, or is it some kind of, uh, not philosophical, but intellectual need to think they're superior? Yeah. Is that what it is? Poetry is superior, so it's for superior people. Is yeah. that what it is? I don't know. They don't want it solid. Yeah, it's very pure. It's this kind of like, yeah, this very kind of like pure artistic realm. But they don't like politics either. So I think if you're doing work that is kind of like explicitly and aggressively political, they get very upset. Well, that's just a polemic. That's not even really poetry. And you're like, oh, go yes. fuck yourself. You know? <laughs> yes. They don't want any boats rocked. Mm. The status quo, the, the easy, queasy choice. Yeah, as I call it exactly well we could have this conversation we could literally have this conversation all night could. couldn't we really it's the sort of conversation you need to have in a pub it is I, I do miss that I mean I don't I don't drink but I do miss 
I miss sitting in a circle of people and getting really, really angry about angry. something well, that none of us are going to remember, not even no. me, in the morning, yeah. you know. But you'll fight death over it at the time. Yeah, exactly. And we all agree with each other, but we'll still get really, really angry. And Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The more you agree, the worse it is. Yeah. The more, <laughs> the more on the same level. It's easy to argue with, a, you know, an mm. arsehole, but argue with a friend, you can really get your teeth into it. I know Simon loves it. It's like Sid, Sid's favorite thing is like picking a fight with somebody that agrees with him, <laughs> and just going at it for hours, recreationally for hours. And you know, you can you can go, you can leave the room, you can make a sandwich, you can come back, and they're still come back. they're still at Join. It. Yeah. It's like EastEnders. Yeah, well, comforting, <laughs> comforting in the way you know, just to kind of leave yeah. it in the background. Yeah, very familiar. Yeah, familiar <laughs> violence and anger. <laughs> The comfort of violence and anger. Exactly. There you go. There's a line. There we are. We need that. Yes. The comfort of violence and anger. Right. I'm going to stop recording in a minute. So I just want to say thank you again for joining me and reading your poems and, and ranting. And, you know, mm. we, we hope that may they all burn in their beds. Yes. <laughs> may the rich but, burn in but, their beds. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we need to get the matches. Yeah. Hmm.